This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, we've uh, brought the panel forward this morning. It is uh, three past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for you. Uh, thanks to Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Uh, with us, Patrick McKendry. G'day, Patty. How you doing, mate? G'day, Ricardo. I'm well, thanks. Long time. Long time. I think, I'm trying to remember when was it? Was it 2014 that we were up in up in Philly with, with Joe Parker and Robbie Berridge? That was a, that was a great trip. It was a fantastic. Was a great, I think you gave me a great education about craft beer on that trip too, Ricardo. Well, hey, mate, I, you know, I try, I try. Christina Eddie is uh, also with us from Sky. Christina, if you want an education on craft beer, just let me know. Yeah, hey, I'll absolutely uh, hit you up on that offer. Actually, it sounds like you must be the guy to go on that. Good yeah. morning. Oh, good morning. Doing? Yeah, good mate. Good. Thanks for joining us for our panel today. Uh, now, there's a there's a lot on the on the panel outside of craft beer. Let's start with international rugby though, because uh, Patrick, it's uh, been talked a lot about that Warren Gatlin might be re- primed for a return to Wales uh, because Wayne Pivac's obviously had a had a horrible November. I do remember not long ago there was some talk about him after the British and Irish Lions perhaps taking the England job, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's up for grabs before Christmas as well. What do you What do you think? Uh, look, I think um, Warren has positioned himself brilliantly as he as he currently does uh, back in Europe now um, on the hunt for a new job. I doubt he'll get the England one. I think um, I just think it would cost England too much to get rid of Eddie Jones before the World Cup. I think I think they're stuck with them really um, until the World Cup England. So, but definitely Wales. Um, I, I think Gatlin's a, a big chance to go to, to to take over from Pivac at Wales. He's obviously very well thought of there. He's had some success, uh, and, and I do think that he probably would make some improvements and uh, and put them on track for a slightly better World Cup than what they're heading for at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's 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 looking pretty ugly at the moment uh, for the Welsh, isn't it, Christina? After after this November, it is. I mean, they've scored what the least tries of any Tier One nation, and losses to Italy and Georgia are pretty humiliating as well. But you have to say that it's shaping up to be quite an interesting World Cup because it's not like England and even the All Blacks, obviously for for quite a large part of the season, either have really been shining like massively up to their potential and what, what they've proven that they can do in the past. So I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating, especially all the rumours around England as well. Um, Eddie Jones' job's obviously on the line, but like um, Patrick said, it will be a costly move. Although, you know, the interesting thing around Wayne Smith and how he's turned around the Black Ferns, that's obviously putting him in good stead. And then there's massive um, suggestions as well about Razor heading over to England too. So it kind of feels like where there's smoke, there's fire, and they're, perhaps, they're potentially looking. Um I think it would be a good move for Wales to take on Gats, to be honest. Um, he's obviously had good success during the past, and I think, like I said, it's, it shapes up to be a very fascinating World Cup, so get the popcorn out. I like it when there's a big shift around only eight months out from the World Cup. Let's bring it on. Yeah, bring it on indeed, because it's not just a, you know that, that Georgia game, but also 
the way they gave up that lead to Japan, uh, to the Australians, and it's effectively a B Wallabies team. They had so many players out. Um, yeah, certainly didn't paint Pivac in a, in a, in a great light. Uh, what about Stuart Barnes talking about Wayne Smith for the England role? Um, Patrick, I mean... I, I can't see Wayne Smith going up there, but I can see Razor being tempted. I mean, he's, he was with England over in Australia in mid, mid-year. He's been up there with the Barbars as well. I mean, he's he's within Kui. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, look, Razor is in a, in a pretty good position, uh, isn't he, in terms of international jobs. He's made that quite clear that he wants to coach uh, an international job next, uh, an international team next. So... Um, he'd be looking very appealing to, to England, no doubt about it. Um, the way he uh, motivates players to get the best out of them. Something seems to be missing from England. Um, you know, against the All Blacks, they didn't start playing until really the game was almost gone. And, and the same applied with um, their recent defeat to South Africa, where they, they just seemed to not be able to play with any freedom um, until the game's almost up. And that, I don't know, that, that sort of speaks to a a very constricted or um, a mindset that isn't quite right. So definitely something's missing there. And, and maybe Razor is the missing the missing link and get the best out of those guys. But in terms of Wayne Smith, absolutely not. Uh, I remember uh, I remember 10 years ago, we were having a, very, a pretty similar sort of a similar rumours were going around about him uh, coaching England then um, after, uh, after his World, World Cup success in 2011. And I think he was quite tempted but then he decided that no, he couldn't. He couldn't touch against the All Blacks, and uh, no, he's, he's not getting any younger. He's, he's made it quite clear that he's um, he's pretty pretty keen on retirement now after doing so well with the Black Ferns. So it won't be him, um, but it may be Razor. You never know. I mean, you never know. He could be part of that. Uh, it'd be interesting. I wonder um, whether or not Christina. I don't know if you've heard anything, but about you know there was there was that chat that after the first loss against the South Africans in South Africa that the uh, NZRU had all but sacked Ian Foster and Scott Robertson was told to assemble his team. Um, I don't know if there's, they've got a deal with 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 Razor to you know just wait till the 2023 Rugby World Cup's over and it's yours? Or uh, I don't know if you know anything uh, from, from all your contacts there at Sky? <laughs> all I know is that in 2019 at the Rugby World Cup, you know, obviously Razor was, was touted back then and, and there was loads of conversations around uh, the coaches and him who was next and it kind of always feels like, well, it's, you know, it's public... Uh, public opinion, so to speak, that Razor's sort of been dealt a bit of an unfair hand by New Zealand Rugby. So, I mean, who knows? It's sort of, he's, still around in the, he's still around the business. He's up for the New Zealand Rugby Awards, obviously, for the best national coach and stuff. He's still around the game. But one thing is, is that, you know, with all these rumours, looks like there's a lot of New Zealand Rugby talent that could be heading offshore to, to line up in the coaching ranks internationally. So, I mean, if you do get Razor going over to England and the likes and... Gatlin back at Wales and there's definitely a lot of intel heading back over, over internationally and it should shape up to some pretty good competition over the next couple of years if that was the payoff. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if New Zealand rugby have learned anything from losing all that um, uh, intellectual intellectual intelligence off, offshore. Patrick? No, well, I think one thing's clear that they have to they have to get the, the process around the next coach right because they didn't, uh, didn't last time. They left it too late. They missed out on Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph. You know, they missed out on Dave Rennie. Um, so you, you, I don't think they can do that again. Surely they realise that. So there has to be a much 
tidier and clearer process around attracting the best talent to to the job. And you've got to say that uh, after year the year that I've had um, this year, uh, in in Foster, you know he's he's obviously back into the World Cup, but certainly I don't think he could play in two. Too much beyond that in terms of his uh, in terms of his All Blacks kid because um, it's been a very difficult year and, and I've got to say the All Blacks uh, haven't impressed consistently. I think their game management in particular has been pretty poor uh, and so yeah, I, I think um, big lessons learned for New Zealand rugby and they have to get it right next time. Mm, and they definitely uh, they definitely do on that. Do you, what do you make, Patrick, of um, Scott Robertson being allowed to coach the Barbars and New Zealand rugby giving the All Black 15 job to Leon? Does that suggest that mm. in their eyes they see Leon as ahead of Razor and maybe the, the next All Black no. coach running? I don't think so. I, I heard that Razor actually didn't want to coach the All Blacks uh, 15 team, um, which was it's kind of interesting. Uh, mm. So he's on a return to, to Leon instead. I think um, Razor is still a hugely important part of the game in New Zealand. He's obviously coaching at the moment. He's coaching the Crusaders for one last season. Um, he's on a rugby. They probably would admit that they've mucked around in the recent past. When I think they, um, they they want to keep him happy to an extent. And so I think that's why they allowed him to coach the Barbars. And uh, he did a pretty good t- uh, job too, by the looks of things. So. Yeah, I think I think that's the background to that one. Yeah, all right. Uh, we've also, uh, Christina, had the New Zealand Rugby Award nominees announced, and I know I think this is on Sky next Thursday. You can you can catch this live, and uh, there's some interesting uh, interesting people in there and interesting teams in there, and ones that aren't in there as well. What did uh, who, who do you think the big winners are of the nominees for the uh, for the Rugby Awards? It'd be hard. To, it'd be hard to look past uh, Rohe Demont, wouldn't it? When mm. considering she's just won World Rugby Player of the Year, um, but I mean she's up against some stiff competition in terms of you know with Stacey Fleur and Sarah, Sarah Hidney and Teresa Fitzpatrick. So obviously Sarah's up for two awards as well, also the Sevens um, Award too. I would like to see uh, Demont probably take it out. I do think that she was deserving of World Rugby Player of the Year, and I just feel like um, there were a whole lot of reasons for that, and it, may, it would make a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, Adi Savia was a big omission from the World Rugby Awards. Um, he's up for All Blacks Player of the Year. I think I would I would say he's probably the front front runner for that award. Um, he's also up for Super Rugby Player of the Year too. I think one of the interesting ones actually I think lies in sort of the National Coach Award with the men's. Um, I'd actually really like to see Leo Crowley take it out, considering Wellington's win over the NBC. I think that was a, that was pretty. Uh, big result this year and the way he coached that team I think he should be the front runner for that award but awards are always a tricky one right because every single person that's nominated has been nominated for a reason and for different reasons so it's always pretty hard to dissect them but yeah we'll be live on Sky and Prime at 8.30 next Thursday night yeah, uh, Patrick, uh, the All Blacks Player of the Year. Um, they've they've done a they've done a better job, I think, shortlisting this than World Rugby did for their Player of the Year, didn't they? Um, they've got Geordie Barrett, Adi Savia, Samisoni, Tokiahau, and Sam Whitelock listed. I'm, I'm tempted to go with Tokiahau. I think he's probably been our most most consistent performer in the black jersey this mm. year. He's certainly been the big mover, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, you're right. He's impressed hugely. Um, so that's pretty close. Uh, competition in terms of those nominations. I think Savea probably will get it for his consistency and his ability to, you know, I mean, obviously to play so well in every test that he plays in and to be such a, uh, a hugely influential part of that pack. Um, 
but yeah, certainly same with Honey Takiyaho has played well this year. I, I think Blake Ferns will be interesting. Um, like Christina said, I think DeMont will probably win it, but I, I was hugely impressed with those midfielders, mm. Fitzpatrick and Flula, especially in the latter part of the tournament. Wow. Um, just amazing. And, and Hitterney as well um, was a hugely important part of that pack. So, But what, one thing I'm a bit surprised about is no Wayne Smith nomination for Coach of the Year for the men's national teams. I, I'm, I'm not sure if that is because of the way they've structured it or because certainly I think that he, he probably deserves to be recognised in some form. Obviously, World Rugby Coach of the Year doesn't get much better than that, but um, a recognition by New Zealand Rugby, I thought, uh, would have been would have been appropriate for, for what he's done this year. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Christina, but I believe that it's only domestic competitions, not international. Is that right? That's my understanding, yeah. It's, it looks like it's the structure of the domestic competition, but it, yeah, I mean, that was the immediate omission for me too when I looked at the list. It was, it was glaringly... Uh, <laughs> clear as to his absence, um, given everything that's happened, and I mean, I think you've described throughout the public as the darling of the world of the World Cup. So, I mean, interesting uh, definition, but anyway, he's definitely left an impact, hasn't he? And, and, it, and it's still so recent in our minds too. But yeah, from my understanding, it's domestic. Okay, all right. From egg ball to round ball, uh, the FIFA World Cup is uh, in the in its midst at the moment. Uh, we are just through two rounds. Everybody's played two games now, Christina. I know this has been dominating Sky Sports coverage at the moment. It's on every channel just about. Uh, we've got one round of games left to play in the groups. Who are you liking um, so far in the tournament uh, heading into the round of 16? Well, it's looking like France, Brazil and Portugal now with their recent win over uh, Uruguay's sort of top three heading into round of 16. I think you really can't look past the France-Brazil final at this stage, um, both doing pretty much as predicted heading into the tournament. But, I mean, Ghana's my team of the tournament and we'll take the win again this morning over South Korea. <laughs> so uh, hopefully they've obviously got a big matchup with Uruguay, but I'm hoping that they'll get through to the round of 16. That would be huge. Um Australia obviously need that critical one over Denmark too. And then there's Morocco as well. So I do like some of these little underlying minnow teams hitting and shaping up that they could make the top 16. So, uh, but yeah, I'd say France, Brazil, Portugal, all the front runners at this stage. Did you did you draw Ghana at the office pool? Is that why you, you, you're singing about Ghana at the top there? <laughs> no, no, not that, not that uh, pathetic. I spent quite a bit of time in Ghana when I was um, 18. So... I landed there actually the day after they lost to uh, the USA and all the streets were going wild, probably in the worst way. I wish I'd landed a week earlier when it was um, really good festival celebrations. But, you know, they love their football and I know that they'll be celebrating. They'll probably have a national day off today uh, overnight. So I know how huge it is to them and it's sort of a bit of a soft spot when it comes to the World Cup. Yeah, they're the entertainers, that's for sure. They've uh, scored five, conceded five in two games. There's always something going on in their games. Patrick, uh, how, how much of an eye have you had on the World Cup? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to catch as much as I can. i got Cameroon in the sweepstake. Um, they've had a loss and a comeback draw today, I think, this morning. So not looking that flash, to be honest. But um, I quite like Spain. I uh, caught a bit of uh, Spain-Germany yesterday, which was a pretty decent game. Um so, yeah, I mean, obviously France, Brazil, possibly. I'm not sure about Argentina. They sort of seem a bit hot and cold. But I think, I think those, um, those top teams will have a good show. Uh, obviously looking forward to tomorrow morning, Wales-England, um, which will be a fairly large one. Um, England haven't really convinced 
didn't look that great against USA and nil-nil draw um, after after thrashing Iran. So yeah, I mean that's that's obviously going to be a massive game. Wales haven't been in haven't been here since what 1950 is it? So, 1958, uh, I think game. it was. Yeah. 58. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so obviously a huge game, huge game for the UK. Yeah, massive game for the UK. Run US as well at the same time, and boy, that's uh, that's gotten political overnight. But we'll we'll talk more about that later. Uh, we should finish though on on a great news story. Uh, Lydia Ko, uh, what a redemption arc this has been for her. She was world number one back in 2017. It all seemed to fall out. Uh, fall apart for her. Um, you know the, the the jokes were about you know sort of uh, had more swing coaches and I've had hot dinners type thing, uh, but she seems to have found one that works and she's got got settled. Christina maybe uh, making more of her own calls and having her mum make them for her. Um, a, a great comeback for her to be back to world number one again, Lydia Co. Oh, it is, isn't it? I mean, you make that comment about her mum. I saw that there was a, a comment, a quote from her, not that about a week or two ago, where apparently your mum rang her and said you were still better when you were 17 than you are at 25 or whatever. And she was like, great, what am I supposed to do with that information? Thanks, mum. Maybe world number one will appease her. Um, but I mean, yeah, you have to say with all the turbulence and the changes she's had over the past five years, and she's, it's actually the longest stretch between world number ones and the women's game too. Um, and she even admits she wasn't sure she was ever going to be back there again. But I think what's more impressive is sort of the consistency throughout the season, you know, winning at the start, winning in the middle, winning at the end. Um, it bodes well for the rest of her career moving forward, and it's probably the confidence boost she needed after what has been pretty turbulent. Has been very turbulent. Uh, Patrick, I don't know if you are on the Helberg judging committee, so feel free to abstain from this question if if it uh, prejudices you in any way. But, I mean, her, uh, Lydia Coe, Zoe sadowski Synod, I mean, the running for the Helbergs this, uh, this year is going to be pretty pretty tight, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly will. I, don't, I, I mean, it's a controversial area, isn't it? And it's a, great for discussion. I don't tend to... I'm not on the judging panel, by the way. Um, I don't tend to get too caught up in these things. But uh, I, I can't add... I guess I can't add much more to Lydia's, you know, recent um, triumphs than, than uh, Christina's already covered. But um, I, I did watch a bit of her playing in that event in Florida recently, um, just on the TV, obviously. And yeah, she just she looked so calm, um, and just really impressed with the maturity and the fact that you know I think she started off one round with a bogey on a par five, but she didn't let it affect her. She just just kept grinding, and she's just so consistent, um, uh, just just so good, really. And I've I've recently taken up golf again, so completely different ends of the spectrum, really, in terms of temperament and um, quality. Uh, between me and her, so um, yeah, just hugely impressive, and, and well done to well done to Lydia. How, how many swing coaches have you been through? <laughs> oh mate, uh, just just the one myself. <laughs> I think I'm going to need some outside assistance. <laughs> Good stuff, Patty. Hey, listen, thanks guys uh, for coming on the panel today. Uh, great to catch up with you both, Christina. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, and uh, let's do that uh, that that craft beer session again soon, eh? Sounds good, mate. Looking forward to it.